The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Amen. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come Yes Yes He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life amen Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. When we think of power, we usually think of the ability to force someone to do what they want, do not want to do. Sometimes we speak of power in terms of the ability to influence another person or convince them. But the standard understanding of power in America is a government power. And that power is backed up by the might of the American military. That's understood in the petrodollar. But is power really just the ability to force someone to do something they don't want to do? I want to show you a whole nother way that Jesus approached this issue of power. Power is vital. Power makes the world go round. Power is where a person can produce something. If we look at Mark, the fifth chapter, we have Jesus, who has just left the devastating sight of a couple thousand dead pigs that demons drove into the Sea of Galilee. And then, in a boat, he returns, and a crowd meets him as he exits the boat. This large crowd. had a man by the name of Jairus there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he began to plead with him to come to his home because his little daughter, 12 years old, was dying. Please come, Jesus, and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Well, who was this Jesus who went with him? I want to read for you who this Jesus was in Colossians, the first chapter. 
For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, the earth was once totally alienated from God, and God had to look at this rebellious prison planet and say, How do I rescue these people? I can't force them to do what I want them to do. Oh, I could, but then they wouldn't be human beings. They would be just terrified people who knew that if they didn't obey, they'd be shot. That's the way of worldly power. No, God had to come up with a better way. And so he decided to open a way into the heavens where every one of us who choose to follow Jesus Christ who choose to obey him and to love him, the way is opened into the heavens to paradise. That's available for you. See, it's not a matter of power forcing, breaking, destroying It's a matter of love. For Jesus, it meant laying his life down for every one of us. Because that's what love does. So we find Jesus, meaning he saves his people. We don't know what his name was originally. It's it's too magnificent for us to even be able to begin to understand. But in this large crowd, Jairus is pleading for him to come to his house. And so Jesus begins to make his way with Jairus, and the huge crowd is following. They want to see what will happen. As he's making his way, and the crowds are all bumping against him and Everybody's excited and talking and what's going to happen? Can Jesus actually raise this little girl from the dead? A woman who'd been sick for 12 years with an issuance of blood. Now, I'm not acquainted with 12-year bleeding. I am well acquainted with a nosebleed that happens often in the morning. And I see the red issuance of blood from my face. 
and I know that the life is in the blood. So it's my life that's draining away. Well, this woman had been to doctors for years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. None of them had been able to help her. She had only gotten increasingly worse. Now, don't believe for a moment that I don't have great love and respect for many doctors. I do. But there are just some things doctors can't handle. They can't handle. And in that case, you have to get to a higher order, a higher power. You get to Jesus. She kept getting worse. Imagine the embarrassment in that culture. She is considered unclean if there is blood showing. In her mind, she began to say, if I could just touch Jesus, if I could just touch the hem of his garment or the tassels on the on the edge of his sleeve, if I could just touch him, I'd be healed. After all, he's, he's the God of heaven. Is anything too difficult for God? No. Now, let me try to set some understandings in place. In our culture, we hold science far above any kind of relationship with the divine. For us, technology and science are everything. They're what is worshipped in our culture. So for a man to imagine that he can go to God as I am, and can wait on God, and that God will heal him, sounds like some kind of insanity. But please, consider who you're dealing with. You're dealing with the one who designed and built the first human body. You're dealing with the one who had the power to breathe the breath of life into that man. And that he got up and bowed in worship before his creator. Now understand, God is the one who heals us, not science. God is the one who is operative in our bodies. Our lives are in his hands. If he decides that you have filled the cup of iniquity, or you have fulfilled your purpose on the earth, or you have foolishly done something that has caused great harm to yourself, and you do not go to Jesus, you may very well die. So here this woman comes. All she wants to do is touch Jesus. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? Oh, you see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? Oh, please, this is so precious to my heart. There is a person who can touch Jesus in a worship service, in a crowd, in the praise and worship, and nothing will happen. There is this poor, sick woman who reaches out and touches Jesus, and immediately power comes forth from Jesus and heals her dries up the issuance of blood and heals the disease and she is well. You see, Jesus is a dynamo of power. He is the creator God. Nothing is too hard for him, but he is not a casual pushover. He doesn't just walk through and everybody who touches him gets healed. No, there is a a cooperative agreement of faith between the person who is healed and the person who heals. There is an understanding in the spirit between Jesus and the person who in desperation reaches out and touches him. You could say, oh, I wish I could get healed. Will you get healed? No. Oh, I want to be healed. Well, that won't get you healed. The only way the power goes out of Jesus is if a person comes with faith believing that Jesus has the power to heal them. Then in that cooperative moment, a miracle takes place. Power flows out of Jesus, not to destroy. Power doesn't flow out of Jesus to destroy. It flows out of Jesus to heal and to restore and to bring love and joy and hope and peace. The power of this world is usually exercised to destroy, to tear down. Ukraine, this wicked people who built up the river and then blew the bridge away. It's not the Russian people who did it. It was the Nazis who did it. I'm sorry. I have no respect or love for Nazis or with Nazi sympathizers. Too much happened in the Second World War with Nazis for any American to look with respect on Nazism. 
Too many people died because of its ugliness. So they blow the bridge or they blow the dam. The river rushes downstream. They're trying to rescue more than 50,000 residents before they drowned. Power to blow up a bridge or blow up a dam or blow up a building or missiles to hit a an apartment complex. What is this? This is not godly power. This is wicked power. This is not Jesus' power. This is demon power. It's the power of darkness, the power of destruction. Jesus comes, and here's this woman, trembling with fear. She tells him about her malady, and he says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Oh, what joyous words. Yes, it's all over. You can go home now. You can rest. You don't have to keep washing out those rags that you try to sop the blood up with. It's over. You're healed. I can imagine that as she went home, She went home dancing and shouting. See, the power of Jesus does not come, first and foremost, to destroy. It never comes to force. It comes to heal. It comes to love. The power of Jesus comes to reunite families, to reunite strangers. Power of Jesus is resurrection power to make all things new. Now, while Jesus was still speaking to this woman, some men came from Jairus's house, the synagogue ruler, and they said to Jairus softly. Not not loud, but Jesus could hear. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? We all come to a place in our pain and anguish, the pain and anguish of our marriage that's breaking apart, the pain and anguish of our physical body that is broken. In my condition with not being able to walk, I still have to use support to try to move my body. I fell twice this morning. It scared me. I don't want it to get worse. So, I lay there for a few minutes. Fortunately, I fell back on the couch. 
Do you see? When it all looks dead to us, and I want to tell you, I look dead to me. My wife said to me this morning, Pastor, how are you? No, she called me Ray. Ray, how are you? I said, I'm dead. But I'm not dead. I'm dead in the sense... Do I still continue to bother Jesus with my condition? Am I missing something? Oh, I want to tell you, nothing is ever dead in God's universe. Why bother the teacher anymore? <laughs> Very simply because you want your daughter to be alive. So you keep bothering the teacher until he tells you, let her go. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe that Jesus has this. Believe that you are not going to die, you are going to live. But if you don't turn to Jesus and trust his word to you, you will not live. See, Jesus doesn't use his power to force people, he uses his power to invite into his arms. He uses his power to say, trust me, I'm working it all out. You're going to be okay. Just believe. He then separates the crowd out. He turns the crowd away. He says, Peter, James, John, come with me. They came to the house of the synagogue ruler. Jesus sees commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went into the house and they said to them, why all of this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. They scorned him. Imagine, the creator of heaven and earth, they scorned him. You know, we do a lot of of commotion. Weeping and wailing. Sure, we're never going to be set right. Can I tell you today, just right up front, to your face, I believe in the doctrine of divine healing. I find that some doctrines in the church are not very 
not wanted. They're not understood. They're, there's too much pride involved. There's too much false teaching that goes around. But I believe in the doctrine of divine healing. I believe Jesus heals today just like he's going to heal in this story. I believe that Jesus is the author of life and that you need him and that he wants you. Why all this commotion and and wailing and Oh, how bad it is. Look how terrible it is. No, it's not. Not when you're trusting in Jesus. So, Jesus put them all out of the house. Then he took the child's father and mother and Peter, James, and John. And he went into the bedroom where the child was lying in bed. And he took this little girl by the hand. And he said to her, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Everyone is completely astonished. Because the little girl stood up. And she started walking around. I'm sure she started hugging everybody. He brought her back to life. Jesus is the author of life. Jesus is not the author of death. He's the author of life. Now, what I also like, he said, Give her something to eat. Can you imagine a a healthy 11-year-old child who hasn't eaten probably for some time? What's going to be first on her mind? Oh, hey, this healing is wonderful. I'm alive again. Do you have some food? I'm starving. So they fed her. Give her something to eat. I want to take you to another passage of scripture found in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Jesus understands sorrow. He suffered first from his brothers and others of that day. Then he suffered from the Jewish leaders who utterly rejected him. Remember, he didn't go to Jerusalem to start his ministry. Instead, he was led into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. He suffered, physically suffered in that desert. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be taken to the cross and that he would die as the Lamb of God. This brought much sorrow to his heart. And he was very familiar with suffering. Lack of food. Lack of love. Lack of companionship. He was despised by most. He was not esteemed. He was not respected. He was scorned. Had he carried a sword? And if you spoke back to him, he'd pierce you through and kill you? Oh, men would have respected that. That wasn't who Jesus was. He was a humble servant. But verse 4 tells me something that you need to understand. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Infirmities in the Hebrew, diseases and sicknesses. Jesus took up our diseases and our sicknesses, and he carried our sorrows. Literally in the Hebrew, he carried our pain. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You may never have thought of this before. But Jesus did not do an atonement for our sin. Jesus is the atonement for our sin. And included in the atonement are the carrying away our diseases and our sicknesses. Included in that wonderful 
man, as he made atonement, as he became atonement for us, he carried our pain. He was pierced. He was crucified for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, in the atonement, there is the certainty of the doctrine of divine healing. Now, I don't look like very much of an example of divine healing, do I? I'm in quite a bit of pain. I'm broken, stumbling. But I want to tell you, I have put my full confidence in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe in the doctrine of atonement. And I believe the doctrine of atonement includes healing our physical bodies. Yes, healing our spiritual bodies, healing our minds, but also healing our physical bodies. And so I've just been waiting upon the Lord. He told me, wait upon the Lord. And the Lord will carry you through. I believe that. I'm willing to die believing that. Jesus has never let me down. He has carried me with exquisite love and care in his arms. Now, because it's a little bit of a hard time right now, am I going to turn against my Savior? No. I'm going to trust him. Jesus has my full confidence. He is my healer. He wants to be your healer too. Some of you have put up with physical maladies for years. Going to doctors, spending large amounts of money. I kid some people. I say, your social life is with your doctor. Aren't you tired of that? Why don't you go to Jesus and let him heal you? Well, because if I go to Jesus and ask him to heal me, He's going to say, how about if I first wash you with the blood? How about if I first get you cleaned up? See, obedience is part of the deal. And obedience only comes by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It comes by faith and surrender and giving myself over to Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I believe in the healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. If he is, and I know he is, the creator God, nothing is too hard for him. So Jesus walks with this woman with the issuance of blood. And I'm sure other people 
are sick, and none of them are healed. Why? Because the power of Jesus is only released in righteousness. It's only released by faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to be healed, you need to come to Jesus and let him wash you and cleanse you and make you whole. Jesus doesn't just heal somebody's physical body and say, okay, go, go, be well. No, he loves our soul. He loves us. He wants to restore us to the fullness of his children. So I come today. If you know today you need to be prayed for, go in the chat line and just put your name down. You don't need to tell me what the issue is. I'm going to pray for you. I want to know who's listening today who needs healing through the blood of Jesus. I do. And he's going to heal me. So if you'd like to pray, come and pray. Lord, my dear brother Ed is the first one to step forward and say, I need to be healed. And he's right. Ed and Ray need to be healed today. Lord, we need the fullness of your Holy Spirit to come in power upon us. My trust is in you, Jesus. There is none other who can touch us with the healing power. So I'm asking, would you shelter us in the blood, your blood, Jesus? Lord, would you move now in Dirk's life? Lord, Dirk needs healing in, in his life and in the healing of his wife. Would I just come and bring these names before you and say, Jesus, I know so many others who needs healing today. And you don't have to put your name down for me to pray for you. I know you're there. I know that you're there. And we're praying for your healing power to flow, to take away the sin and the darkness and the shame, to wash us in the blood. Your atonement was to open the way for us to have full and complete oneness with you, Jesus. And I know that in that oneness, there's complete healing. Oh, Lord, would you heal us? Would you see the brokenness of our hearts 
Would you see the lack of faith? Maybe even the anger and unbelief that has been in our hearts. Lord, I ask right now, you who are listening, do you have faith to believe that Jesus will heal you? Do you have faith to believe? If you do, reach out your hand right now to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you can heal me. And I come in faith. I would love to come and touch the hem of your garment. But by faith, I touch the hem of your garment right now. And I say, Jesus, I trust you. And I know you will restore me. I know you will heal me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I look to you, my Lord. You are my Savior and my Lord. And in the end, Jesus, all that really matters is that you accomplish your purpose and your will in my life and in the life of each one of these precious ones. I ask that you accomplish your purpose, that you save our souls, and that you save many people through our testimony and through our witness. Lord, have your way. I'm not going to turn Jesus to the left or to the right. I'm not going to grow discouraged and hopeless. My eyes are fixed upon my Lord and my Savior, my atonement, my blood-covered atonement. Thank you, Jesus. Come with power, mighty King. We thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We honor the name that is above all names and declare that you are our healer. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. When God heals me and restores me, you'll see it in my face. But I'll be the first to be shouting and telling you what Jesus has done for me. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That again is National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I want to tell you, Jesus is who he says he is. He doesn't speak empty words. His words have power to create worlds, to redeem lost sinners. 
to restore the broken. And I thank you, my Lord. I praise and worship you. Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left? Now, let's get clear. Are we five minutes or are we at two minutes? Okay. This issue is so big. Because if you don't believe in divine healing, then you must go with just church ritual and make-believe people going forward in charismatic churches and falling down in the kundalini spirit operating in the church. Now, if the Holy Spirit begins to move on your life, one of the first things that you're going to do is begin to repent and acknowledge that you have not been true to Jesus. And as you begin to repent, Jesus will draw very near to you. And then he will come and touch you. See, we can't keep our old ways and our old rituals, our old entertainment. We have to entirely come out of the world and come into the atonement, because it's in the atonement that the power is. It's in the atonement of Jesus. Where he takes all of our iniquity. You know what iniquity is, continual sin, the same one. He'll take our diseases and our sicknesses. take your pain your suffering Jesus is real but you have to treat him like he's real you can't walk around in La La Land in Fantasia in Disney no Jesus is real It says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth, but oppression and judgment he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, He will set his offspring 
prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus poured out his life for you. Will you turn to him now? Will you invite the touch, the healing touch of Jesus right now into your heart? Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy.